What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. This week, we are back with episode 113, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night going down this Saturday, September 5th, 2020, from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means these fights will take place in the small cage. We only have nine fights on this card, but we will be analyzing all nine fights here shortly. In terms of official bets, last event was a profitable event on my Bet MMA Tips page, which you can find on my Twitter or in the YouTube description. I profited four units, which brings our year to date to around 47 units profit. So it's been a great year. Had a few rough events lately, but we're bouncing back. Last week was a great event. I went nine for one on official predictions, so it was a very accurate event from my analysis. So look to continue that this week. So the first fight is in the bantamweight division. We have Hunter Azure taking on Cole Smith. The opening betting line for this one was Azure minus 185 to Smith plus 160. Right now we are seeing Azure minus 225 to Smith plus 185. I agree with the action coming in on Hunter Azure. I think that he is the rightful favorite here. I cap his chances around 65 to 70%. And I think that if Smith wants to win this fight, he's going to have to win it via very close split decision type of fight where he's uh, grinding Azure out against the cage, looking for takedowns, looking for back takes like he did in his last fight. I just don't think that's going to work here against Azure. Azure is a solid wrestler, very physical fighter, has some good striking too. He was looking real good against Kelleher, but just kept up a way too high tempo in that fight and got called with a left hook and knocked out in the round two of that fight. But before that, he had a nice win over Brad Katona, a very solid decision performance where he showed how well-rounded he is here. So I expect Azure to win the striking here uh, by a pretty decent margin. I give him a pretty significant edge and I give Azure an advantage in stuffing the takedowns and winning the clinch battle against the cage as well but Cole Smith does have a small chance to win this fight he's just going to have to be very aggressive with his grappling pushing a high pace pushing Azure against the cage is looking to hit his takedowns back takes but I just don't think that that uh, game plan is going to work on a physical uh, strong grappler like Azure so I'm picking Azure to stuff takedowns outstrike Smith at distance maybe even hit his own takedowns and get top time as well so my pick here is going to be Azure by decision at these odds I think it's dog or pass the people who got in on Azure when he was a little uh, lower of a price I think those are good bets but where it's at now I think it's dog or pass and the value is on Smith at these odds the next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Marcos Hojirio de Lima taking on Alexander Romanov. The opening betting line for this one was Romanov, the favorite, at minus 332, de Lima plus 270. Right now, we are seeing Romanov minus 145 to de Lima plus 125. So this line is going all over the place. Uh, Romanov somehow opened up as a minus 300 favorite and got bet to an underdog right away and then the money has since come back in on Romanov so there's two-way action coming in all over this fight and I think that there's a lot of value on this line where it stands I think the value is on Marcos de Lima at these odds Romanov is making his UFC debut here and man what a fun fighter he is to watch he's just hilarious to tape this guy he was real fat in his early fights had a huge gut and would just 
chase at his opponents right when the fight starts, hit a big takedown, big slam, suplex, and then just smush them with his huge body from top position. Doesn't really have great ground and pound, doesn't have great submissions, doesn't have great top control, but he's just such a huge guy and so aggressive that he was just out grappling and uh, submitting and TKOing lower level opponents over in Russia. But I think that this is going to be his toughest test to date by a good margin. And I'm pretty unimpressed with Romanov striking. He did start to throw a left body kick in his most recent fights. It looked like he dropped some weight too. He's definitely not as fat. So he's getting more serious about his fighting career. But I think Delima will be the better striker here by a good margin. We saw Delima deal with a powerful, aggressive guy in Sassoli in his last fight. We saw Delima show some good boxing. He was moving backwards, counter-punching Sassoli, and eventually knocked him out with one punch about 90 seconds into that fight. And we've seen Delima also get taken down by Wachorczyk, use a nice sweep to reverse Wachorczyk and start out-grappling Wachorczyk in the later rounds of that fight. We saw him knock down Steven Struve. So we saw a lot of good things from Delima lately, despite him not having the most impressive wins on his record. So the way I think this fight goes is Romanov is going to charge forward and probably get an early takedown, but I think that he's not going to submit or finish Lima right away. I think that Lima is going to work his way back to the feet. He's either going to reverse position or just start to strike with Romanov. And then I think that would be a great time to live bet to Lima. He's going to be an underdog if he gets up from that takedown. And I think that he's going to start to take over the fight. I think that Romanov is going to slow down. He's not going to be able to hit as many takedowns. And we're going to see Lima start to outbox Romanov we're going to see him hurt with punches and we might even see Delima hit his own takedowns and submit Romanov so if Romanov wants to win this fight I think his best chance to do it is in the first three minutes to use his athleticism to charge forward get an early takedown and try to get a submit a submission or a finish via TKO um, but I just haven't been impressed with his top game enough haven't seen him fight good enough opponents to think that he's going to come in here in his UFC debut and beat a tough veteran like Delima. So the pick for me in this fight is going to be Delima. I think he probably gets it done by round two or three finish. Very, very low chances fight his decision. Although both of these guys don't have terrible cardio. I have seen Romanov in round three a few times. And I mean, he looks slow and sloppy, but he did get the win in round three of both of those fights. So it's a very winnable fight for Romanov if he does the right things. I just don't trust him yet. Um, he might come in here and get a quick finish, but I, I'm picking Lima to weather the early storm and to uh, win this fight in the later rounds. So I'm going to be betting Lima small before the fight, maybe just one or two units because it's, it's low-level heavyweight. You can't go too crazy. But then I plan to add more to Lima in the live bets midway through round one once he gets up from that takedown. So the pick for me is going to be Lima by round two finish. And uh, there's a lot of value left at plus 125 and look to live bet to Lima. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Montana De La Rosa taking on Viviana Araujo. The opening betting line for this one was Araujo minus 110, De La Rosa minus 110, a pick em. Right now, we are seeing Araujo minus 175 to De La Rosa plus 155. So the action has come in on Araujo. I agree with Araujo being the favorite. I just don't think that she deserves to be this much of a favorite. I certainly wouldn't be betting Araujo myself at minus 150 or above. She's just way too unreliable to trust at that price. 
I mean, she's shown some decent striking in the UFC so far. She's got that in-and-out style where she throws a lot of boxing, a lot of heavy hands, but she uses a lot of energy. She does not conserve her energy well, and she tends to slow down in the later rounds of her fight. She hit a takedown on Alexis Davis in round two of their fight, but then she got reversed and taken down and spent about two and a half minutes on her back, was going full guard, had no ability to get off her back, and I'll give her credit. She did come back well in round three, outstrike Davis in round three, stuffed some takedowns, but she did show some weakness to getting taken down and stuck on her back in that fight. And then in the Jessica I fight, she really slowed down in that fight. Her cardio failed her massively. In round two, she was already tired. And she was getting outboxed by Jessica I for most of that fight. So another bad sign from Marajo. And we, we saw her get that knockout over Bernardo in her first fight. And we saw her look impressive. And I think the people are still kind of overrating her since then. And getting over to De La Rosa, she's a tough fighter. She likes to march forward and, and shoot a lot of takedowns. And in the Andrew Lee fight, she just got her ass kicked pretty much the entire time. She got lit up with punches. But she charged forward and shot about 12, 13 takedowns. And she hit a lot of them. She didn't get much top time. Angela Lee had some pretty, uh, or Andrea Lee had some pretty good uh get ups in that fight she was able to get off her back pretty quickly and de la Reza didn't do much with the takedowns but she showed good initiative she was getting hit she was losing the striking but she wasn't giving up she was charging forward and she was shooting takedowns and i think that that might be enough to beat viviana rajo here because the, ba the problems that I saw Araujo show off of her back, I think, could be exploited in this fight. With a decent wrestler like De La Rosa, she has the ability to keep top control, to land ground and pound, to even look for submissions at points. So De La Rosa is actually not completely outclassed on the feet as well either. I think that Araujo will be the better striker, better boxer, but De La Rosa has okay striking. Um, she can throw some straight punches and straight kicks and not be totally helpless on the feet here. So I like De La Rosa's chances in this fight. I think that this is more of a 55-45 type of fight for Araujo. So I think there's some value left on De La Rosa. I have one unit on her at plus 175. I will li likely end up tracking that bet because I do think there's some good value. And I think that this has a close decision written all over it. I think that we could even see De La Rosa steal this fight, maybe win rounds two and three once Araujo starts to uh, slow down with her top control and her takedown. So... I think I'm going to go with Montana De La Rosa as my official prediction. I just cannot trust Viviana Rajo to stuff takedowns and to put on a good three-round cardio performance uh, this, in, uh, this way into her career. She just has not proven to do that against solid competition. So the pick once again is Montana De La Rosa by decision. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Bartos Fabinski taking on Andre Muniz. The opening betting line for this one was Fabinski minus 140 to Muniz plus 120. Right now we are seeing Fabinski minus 165 to Muniz plus 145. I agree with the action coming in on Fabinski. I think he's the rightful favorite here. And I actually cap him closer to minus 200 in this fight. I think that he does have some small concerns about getting caught with a submission uh, when he's in top position because Muniz is a dangerous grappler, solid black belt, throws up a lot of submissions off of his back, and has gotten a few in his MMA career, and I've, I've seen him attack them, and he is good tr at transitioning from arm bars to triangles, but... I think that he's a little con too content to go for submissions off of his back, and I think that he showed some bad grappling in that uh, Arroyo fight. I mean, Arroyo was a bad grappler himself, and Muniz did outgrapple him, but he just looked unimpressive doing so. He got reversed a few times. 
he didn't look very comfortable striking on the feet so Muniz won that decision but by a very small margin and it was mostly off of the inexperience in Arroyo's grappling so I think against a, an experienced grappler like Fabinski a solid top pressure uh, good wrestler reliable wrestler type of guy like Fabinski this is just a really bad matchup for Muniz I think Fabinski will hit takedowns here he's going to keep top position and all he's going to have to do is worry about not getting submitted from his guard and I think that he's going to be landing some ground and pound along the way he doesn't do the most with top position he's not a finisher at all he's not looking to knock you out with uh, ground and pound and he really doesn't even look to pass guard too much and go for submissions he's just he likes to leg lace he likes to get top control and just keep a safe top position but I like seeing that honestly a lot I like seeing guys go for reliable positions instead of just chasing submissions and finishes. So I think that Fabinski wins the decision here. He's going to hit takedowns in all three rounds and likely keep top position. I think that we might see Muniz land a few close submissions. He's going to be throwing up arm bars and triangles, as I mentioned. But I think Fabinski is solid enough of a grappler to avoid getting submitted off of his back. And I think that Unless Muniz gets a submission here, I think that he does not have a way to win the fight. I don't see him getting two out of three rounds, and it would also shock me for him to knock out Fabinski. Although Fabinski does not have the best striking, poor striking defense, got hurt badly by Prezeris not that long ago, I don't think that Muniz is going to capitalize on that. And I think that Fabinski hits takedowns and keeps top position and wins via decision here. So I have two units on Fabinski at minus 145. At this minus 165 price, there is some value left because, as I mentioned, I do cap him closer to 65 to 70%. So Fabinski decision is the pick here for me. The first fight on the main card is in the lightweight division. We have Thiago Moises taking on Jalen Turner. The opening betting line for this one was Moises minus 205 to Turner plus 175. Right now we are seeing Moises minus 150 to Turner plus 130. So more action coming in on the dog Turner in this one. And I think the early action on Turner was right. And I actually joined that action at plus 168. I saw people were betting Turner and I thought that he was going to drop down in price throughout the week. And he did. And I'm not really married to the bet. I think I probably will hedge out some of it at some point because I actually think Moises wins this fight. And I see why people think Turner has some advantages. Moises struggled with the striking versus uh, Michael Johnson not that long ago. He was getting outboxed in round one. He was getting his takedown stuffed, but then he sprinted at Johnson in round two, got a takedown, got an ankle lock, and pulled off an amazing submission victory somehow against uh, the flake Michael Johnson. But people just saw him getting outboxed by a long rangy guy in that fight, seeing him getting his takedown stuff, and they think that Jalen Turner is the guy to stuff takedowns and to outstrike him here. But I'm not so sure that Turner is ready for this test yet. I think that Turner has shown a lot of weaknesses in the UFC so far, mostly around his defensive grappling. And the one fight we have to look at is the Matt Frivola fight. And Matt Frivola is a much more explosive wrestler, a better wrestler than Thiago Moises. So that's uh, something you have to point out right off the bat. But Turner got taken down a lot in that fight. He got stuck on his back. He showed some some bad tendencies with uh, jumping guillotine at certain points. He just doesn't seem to have great wrestling instincts. 
has some decent jujitsu skills, but just tends to rely on those. Like whenever you see a guy going for the guillotine to stuff a takedown, it's just never a good idea in my opinion. And I think that that just kind of shows that his inexperience in grappling is a thing. And I think that even Turner striking, although he does have some good technique, solid accuracy with his long frame, good straight punches and knees, uh, I think that he has a bit of a lack of power. And the, way, the reason I say this is because on the contender series, he has opponent badly hurt and was not able to knock him out uh the fight was finished by a, a corner stoppage but turner had him badly hurt and still wasn't finishing him and same with josh coolibau a, a low level opponent does not deserve to be in the ufc at all turner was beaten up on him for six seven eight minutes before he finally finished him so I just think that shows a lack of finishing ability from Turner, and I don't think he finishes Moises here, so the way he's going to have to beat Moises is to stuff takedowns and to outstrike him for two out of three rounds, and I just don't think that he has shown the takedown defense yet to think that we can trust him to stuff the takedowns of Moises and to outstrike him, because Moises is a solid striker as well. I mean, he outstruck a lot of guys in the regionals, had some nice knockout, head kick knockouts on the regionals, and then even the, his fight against uh, Kurt Hollebach showed some some good striking against a solid striker in Hollabach and was able to outstrike him there. He has solid boxing, good kicks. So Moises is very well-rounded. I think he's the more well-rounded of the two. And I think that the value is on Moises right now. I think that he deserves to be about 60-65% in this fight. And I don't like the way that he, he got his takedown stuff versus Johnson. He wasn't really setting the takedowns up well. And if he does that here, he could... Uh, face some problems against a guy like Turner who is improving his defensive grappling but still has a long way to go. Um, and I think the small cage favors Moises a lot. A lot less room for um, Turner to move around. A lot less room for him to stuff the takedown. So the small cage favors Moises. I think that he does hit takedowns here at some point. And I think that if he hits takedowns, it's probably going to be the round. It's going to be either he wins the round or submits Jalen Turner on the ground because I think that there's just levels to the, the grappling in this fight. Moises is a tremendous uh, jiu-jitsu champion and uh, Turner is very inexperienced in the grappling. So I think that the striking will be competitive. I think that I'm going to give a slight advantage to Turner because of his his frame, his long reach, and his, his knees and his straight punches. I think he has a slight advantage on the feet, but Moises has a massive advantage on the ground, and I think that he does uh, hit takedowns in this fight, and that is the difference in this fight for him to win. Uh, I'm going to go with decision as my official prediction, but I think this submission is very live here too. So Moises by decision is the pick, and at minus 150, the value is on Moises. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Brian Kelleher taking on Kevin Navidad. The opening betting line for this one was Kelleher, the favorite, at minus 182, Navidad at plus 140. Right now, we are seeing Kelleher minus 232, Navidad plus 190. I agree with the action coming in on Kelleher. He is the rightful favorite here. Navidad is coming in on short notice and moving up a weight class. Uh, he's a normally a 135 fighter going up to 45 on short notice for his UFC debut. And I was pretty unimpressed with what I saw from him on tape. He does have four wins in LFA. Uh, and I will say that he looked better than ever in his most recent fight against Estrada. I thought his striking looked a lot improved in that fight, but... 
Before that, his striking was pretty wild, not very technical. He's very aggressive. I will give him that. He comes forward. He throws punches, and he did score a nice right-hand knockout in his last fight. That was the only sign of power that I've seen from him, though. So I don't think that we can really rely on him to have good power here. I think that most of his fights, he ends up shooting takedowns, uh, but he's not really a great wrestler. A lot of his takedowns were stuffed, and, and the fights end up in a cage push battle where it's just grinding against the cage and clinching for three or four minutes. And that happened in a lot of Navidad's fights. He even lost some rounds going for takedowns and eating elbows when he was going for the takedowns and getting outstruck. So I think that Navidad isn't UFC level and is kind of just coming in here. For this short notice opportunity, I do give Kelleher advantages everywhere. I think he's the better striker and the better grappler. And I think that Navidad could make the fight competitive just by being aggressive. He's coming in on short notice. He seems like he's the type of guy to just go for it in round one and just be aggressive. He's not going to fight safe and try to make it to a decision. It seems like he's going to come in here to win the fight. So uh, the fight could be close. If that's the case, I think Kelleher could have a close round one. But Kelleher's experience, his cardio advantage, and I think his just well-roundedness will start to uh, come out in rounds two and three, and he will win the fight. Um, so Navidad just doesn't have a real clear path to victory for me. I uh, could see him pushing uh, Kelleher against the cage for minutes at a time, but I don't think he'll keep him there. I don't think he'll take Kelleher down. Kelleher is a pretty solid defensive uh, grappler. So the pick for me is going to be Kelleher decision. I think that Kelleher could get a finish among the way um, because he does have some finishes on his record recently. The knockout over Azure, the choke over Osborne. So Kelleher has been finishing his fights lately, but I think he gets this one done by decision. I think Navidad will be tough and experienced enough to uh, make it somewhat of a competitive fight, but still lose pretty clearly. So the pick, once again, is Kelleher by decision. At these odds, there is some value, but I wouldn't be betting this fight straight. Maybe throw uh, Kelleher in a parlay or something like that. But the value is slightly on Kelleher at these odds. I, I would cap him closer to 70% in this fight. So Kelleher, once again, decision is the pick. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Zalim Imadayev taking on Michelle Pereira. The opening betting line for this one was... Pereira minus 135 to Imadayev plus 115. Right now we are seeing Pereira minus 115 to Imadayev minus 105. So the early action in this fight came in on Pereira. He was actually a minus 180, 170 favorite for a short amount of time, but rightfully so, the action came in on Imadayev as an underdog. And I think that Imadayev at plus 130 or higher is a good bet, but where it's at now, I think that the value is on Pereira, and I'm actually going to be picking Pereira to win this fight, and I, I like him in this fight. He's a tough fighter to bet as a favorite because he's inexperienced in the UFC, and he's just got that crazy style where he's jumping off the cage and doing backflips and acrobats in the or acrobatics or whatever in the octagon, so he's hard to, to rely on for that reason, but... I honestly liked what I saw from Michel in the Diego Sanchez fight. Uh, Sanchez was fighting terribly. He was pretty much a punching bag in that fight. So it was not the most impressive win from Pereira, but I, I like the way he stayed composed. He didn't do too much uh, dumb stuff in that fight. He wasn't throwing as much jumping and spinning and backflip type stuff. Although he did, I think, jump off the cage and do at least one backflip. So... Um, you're going to be guaranteed to get that no matter what. Uh, but Imadayev is also kind of a meme fighter in his own right. Uh, all of his wins are out of the UFC, and they're over pretty low-level guys. Most of them are round one knockouts. And once he got in the UFC... He struggled in the fight versus Max Griffin. He got taken down a lot in that fight. He showed good get-ups. He, he got off his back almost 
every time he got taken down but he grabbed the cage in that fight he got a point deducted and he just had a very sloppy grinding type of fight and lost that fight via majority decision but it was really close and he probably would have won the fight if it weren't for the point deduction but the real concern about Imadaev is the Danny Roberts fight, in my opinion. He was getting taken down by Danny Roberts. Um, he was getting hit a lot by Danny Roberts and then eventually got knocked out cold with the left hand. I mean, he just had no striking defense and got absolutely floored with the left hand by Danny Roberts. And uh, Michel Pereira dealt with Danny Roberts pretty easily. He rocked him and knocked him out in the first round. And Imadaev really struggled with Roberts. Um, so th that doesn't mean too much, but, you know, Looking at the way they dealt with similar opponents is a relevant factor. So in this fight, I actually think Pereira is a bit more functional, which is crazy considering that he does backflips in the octagon. But what I see from Imadaev is just sloppy distance striking. He doesn't have any range finders, no solid boxing, just spinning back fists and spinning back kicks and dumb strikes. And he likes to get in the clinch and get uh, in those grinding type of fights. But I think that uh, what I liked from Pereira in that Diego Sanchez fight is he was throwing a lot of front kicks to the body and he was throwing a lot of knees when um, Diego was coming into the pocket. They would clinch up and Pereira would land some knees in the clinch. And I think that that's a great tool against Imadayev. If you attack the body of an explosive guy like Imadayev with those kicks and knees, that's a great way to slow him down late, especially because he just fights so aggressive and crazy to begin with. I think Imadayev's style has gassing written all over it. But I do have to mention that Pereira also tends to gas. In the Connolly fight, he tried to knock Connolly out in round one, slow down, and got taken down and outgrappled in round three. Uh, I think he got 10-8 in round three, honestly. So he was completely gassed out in that fight and lost the decision to a much smaller fighter. And uh, that was a bad loss on Michel's record. But I think that, uh, like I said, those front kicks and those knees are going to be a big factor in this fight. I think that Imadaya is going to be rushing into the clinch, looking to hit his own takedowns or looking to clinch up because he's just not a good distance striker. And then Pereira is going to win the clinch battle. He's going to outstrike him at distance. Um, the grappling is kind of up in the air in this one. It should be a very close grappling exchanges, but I haven't seen enough top position from Imadaya to think he's going to hold Pereira down like Connolly did. So, uh, the pick for me is going to be Michel Pereira. I think the most likely way he gets it done is by late finish, maybe around two or three finish, but I could see a decision from him as well. I think he really proved in that Diego Sanchez fight, which was a surprise to me that he is not just a round one or knockout fighter. He actually does have some decent MMA skills and can win a longer fight uh, like a, a decision. So the pick for me is going to be Pereira by round three knockout, but I could see him get it done by decision as well. Wouldn't go crazy betting on this fight because it's uh, two kind of unreliable guys, but I think there is some significant value on Pereira. I would cap him closer to 60% in this fight, so I will be likely be betting Pereira for about one, one and a half units at this price. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Alonzo Menafield taking on Ovin St. Pru. The opening betting line for this fight was... Menafield minus 115 to OSP minus 105. Right now we are seeing Menafield minus 135 to OSP plus 115. So more action coming in on Alonzo Menafield. This fight is rescheduled from about two weeks ago. I think I analyzed the fight on my podcast. I definitely did because the fight got canceled the day of. So I'll try to keep it uh, the exact same, although I did not re-listen to it. So it's not going to be identical. But my thoughts really haven't changed. I still think Menafield wins the fight. I don't think both of these guys are very good at all. I mean, Menafield is kind of a raw fighter. He's a 
incredible athlete. I mean, huge muscular guy, but I just don't think that he is uh, an incredible fighter. I don't think he has a lot of skill to his game. And then OSP is just an extremely frustrating fighter. I mean, most of his wins, he wins uh, by losing the fight for a while and then having a comeback takedown and submission or comeback knockout. He's not really a functional fighter, and he's looked really bad in his few fights lately. The one good fight that we did see from him was versus McCall Olachechuk. He was getting rocked badly in round one of that fight, but he weathered the early storm. He started to hit takedowns and got a choke in round two of that fight. But if you look at his most four recent fights, I mean, he got soundly outstruck by Dominic Reyes for all three rounds and knocked out in the last round. Nikita Krylov, he attempted an incredible amount of takedowns in round one. He hit four takedowns, but Krylov bounced right back up to his feet in all four. OSP gassed out and got choked out in round two of that fight. I just mentioned the McCall fight and then the Ben Rothwell fight where he threw like 80 strikes in the entire fight. He attempted 87 strikes and zero takedowns and landed only like 30 strikes. I mean, he's just super low output, doesn't have any initiative. It doesn't seem like he really wants to win uh, the fight. So the only time we've seen him actually show initiative in round one lately was versus Krylov. And when he did so, he gassed out. So I just don't think that OSP is a very uh, fit fighter at this point. I don't think he's really capable of winning fights against other good UFC fighters. And that Rothwell fight just proved it. I mean, he looks so disinterested in winning that fight. And just did nothing to convince the judges that he he won those rounds and he lost that decision rightfully so. Um, so I think Menfield is the much better striker. He's going to be dangerous in round one. He throws it with a lot of power in round one. The power drops off heavily after that, but as long as he doesn't chase a knockout like he does in some of his fights, I think that Menefield will have the cardio to win two out of three rounds here. If he's just outstriking OSP at a slow pace at distance, I think he'll win that. I think that he could knock out OSP in round one if he's aggressive enough. And Menefield's takedown defense was solid in that fight against Dev Clark. He gassed out in that fight and was outstruck by Dev Clark in rounds two and three of that fight. But he did stuff a lot of takedowns. He stuffed like eight or nine takedowns in that fight. He eventually got taken down in round three. But I think that Menefield will stuff OSP's early striking, uh, early wrestling attempts. And Menefield will outstrike OSP on the feet, possibly even landing a knockout. So I favor Menefield pretty heavily in this fight. I think he should be actually closer to minus 200 here. I think if you uh, get rid of that uh, Clark loss and this fight's happening a few uh, weeks ago, a few months ago, then Menefield would be minus 200 here. So I think that Menefield deals with OSP um, very safely. I think that he gets the win here. I think my official prediction is going to be Menefield by decision, actually. I think that uh, Menefield won't chase the knockout here, and he's just going to be content to outstrike OSP at distance. So the pick is Menefield. I think that minus 135, there is some value there, and I will be betting him at that price. Likely haven't locked in any action yet um, but I think there is value at minus 135 so the pick once again is Menefield by decision the next fight is the main event of the card in the heavyweight division we have Alistair Overeem taking on Augusto Sakai the opening betting line for this fight was Overeem the minus 270 favorite to Sakai plus 230 right now we are seeing Overeem minus 155 to Sakai plus 135 so more action coming in on the underdog Augusto Sakai I think that that early action when he was plus 200 plus 170 something like that those were good bets but anything below plus 170 I don't think they're good bets on Sakai 
So where the line is at now, the value is on Alistair Overeem. He's the much more experienced fighter. He's the much more well-rounded fighter. I think he's the better striker, better grappler. And even though Overeem is way past his prime, even though his chin is you know deteriorating after every fight, he still is the better fighter, and I'm still picking him to win here. I favor him more close to minus 200 here, so where the opening line was set was more accurate. And Sakai is just such an underwhelming fighter. He's just a basic boxer. He throws an occasional kick, but he's not aggressive. He's not high output. He doesn't have a tremendous amount of power. And he tends to start the fight slow and maybe pick it up later. And he's even had a few dodgy decisions in in his career. The, the Ivanov decision was a fight that he probably would have lost if he hadn't grabbed the cage. He got taken down in that fight. He got outboxed in the pocket of that fight and then you got to look at the Arlovsky fight as well I think Sakai clearly lost that fight I mean Arlovsky outboxed him in rounds one and three of that fight it was a rather clear fight to score but somehow the judges gave it to Sakai and Sakai's just had a very underwhelming UFC career in my opinion and I think that even though Overeem is way past his prime like I said he's like 40 years old I still think that he's good enough to outstrike Sakai uh, to even hurt him with strikes I mean we saw Overeem look sharp versus uh, Walt Harris he got rocked in round one of that fight he recovered well he got back up to his feet and then in the same round he took Walt Harris down started landing big ground and pound and might even stole the round back after the knockdown and then round two was able to rock uh walt harris with a right kick or right hand head kick combination and it just showed that overeem still has speed in his strikes he still has power behind his punches he finished olenek not that long ago i think that overeem has actually been looking pretty good for an old fighter lately so i'm picking overeem here i think he outboxes sakai i think he maybe even hits a takedown and keeps him top position but overeem did slow down in rounds four and five of his fight versus Rosenstrike when he grappled in that fight. So I don't think it's likely that we see Overeem uh, hit takedowns here. I think he's a good enough striker to just outbox Sakai on the feet, use his kicks, use his more diversified striking arsenal to outstrike Sakai in this fight. And I would be pretty surprised by a Sakai win here. I think that his best shot is to just catch uh, Overeem with a knockout in the early rounds because I think that if this fight goes later, I, I just don't trust Sakai's cardio. I don't trust his volume. I don't trust his output uh, to, to beat Overeem when it comes to the scorecards. So the pick for me is going to be Alistair Overeem. I think it's actually going to be a slow-paced decision. I think it actually is going to go to the judges. And I think that we see Alistair Overeem win a comfortable 49-46 decision here. So the pick for me is going to be Overeem at minus 155. There is value, but you can't go crazy betting on Overeem. Uh, he's an old heavyweight, so uh, you can't lay a lot of your bankroll on him. But there is value at minus 155. I do cap him closer to 65, 70% here. So the pick for me is Alistair Overeem. I think he gets it done by decision. So that is going to do it for the podcast this week. We analyzed all nine fights. I mentioned I have some bets locked in for the card. The only bets I have tracked on Bet MMA so far are the Bar- uh, Bartos Fabinski two units at minus 145. And I mentioned I will likely end up tracking my Montana De La Rosa action and um, might even track Michelle Pereira action as well. Uh, same with Menafield and uh, might end up on some different spots here too. So check out my Bet MMA Tips page um, to see all my official bets. You can find it on my Twitter and you can find it in the YouTube description where I won four units last week and I'm up 47 units for the entire year. So I look to keep it going this weekend and win some bets. Hope you all enjoyed the podcast. Hope you enjoy the fights this weekend. And hope you win some bets this weekend as well. So I will see you all next week. Peace.